80% of people could care less about your problems. 20% of people are glad you have them. It's the game we signed up for. And the game we all signed up for is what? It's called life. People are gonna die, there's gonna be divorces, there's gonna be losses. If you play the game of business, you're gonna lose money, there's gonna be risk, there's gonna be enemies, there's gonna be people that want to see you go out of business. It's a part of life. It's painful, I get it. But we signed up and we're in this life. Now I'll tell you my story. I'm coming up. When I'm coming up and I'm building my insurance agency, in October 29th of uh, 2010, I get a call from Glenn Beck. I, Glenn Beck calls me and says, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I'm like, Glenn Beck, okay, cool. I had a radio show called Saving America back then with the uh, same place with Hugh Hewitt and Dennis Prager and some of these guys. So Beck calls me and says, um, yeah, I want you to uh, fly out to uh, 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 New York to be on Fox because we hear what you're doing and we want you to be on. We have a program with entrepreneurs. You ought to come out. I'm like, Wow. Okay. So I went out and then I went on Fox news on 2010. That's 10 years ago. And I spoke and I'm not yet involved in politics. Like I'm not even, I'm 30 years old at the time, 31, 32 years old at the time. I come back, my San Francisco office shut down, which was 18% of my revenue at the time. I had my office in San Fernando Valley that shut down, which was 11% of my revenue. Overnight, from being on Fox News with Glenn Beck, I lost 30% of my revenue. Wow. Okay? Yeah. And I couldn't afford it at the time. So it almost put me out of business. I came back. I said, Pat, shut down the show. I turned it off. Just stick to business and entrepreneurship. I did. Behind closed doors and smaller settings, I would talk about it. But when it came down to the bigger setting, I didn't talk about it. Eventually... What happened? My outlet, I stuck to economy. I stuck to economy. And I, 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 I'm not fully where I will share with you everything on how I think about politics. I wrote a fiction book that took me five years to write, 96,000 words that I still haven't published that if I publish the world would think I'm crazy. I'm not gonna publish yet. I'm gonna publish after I sell majority of my shares here. Then maybe I'll publish the book and I'll put it out on what I really think about half the time because some people are gonna say, Pat, a little bit out there. Uh, Moral of the story, today, I openly talk about politics. Have you noticed that? That I'm more comfortable today talking about politics than a year ago, than two years ago, than three years ago. Do you know why? Because I don't need any of your money on here. None of your money. This is, you guys, you're not, like, value team is not, I don't know, uh, value team is not, 5% of my income, not 1% of my income. I think maybe 1% of my net worth. I don't know if that made sense. And I'm not insulting. Only reason I'm saying this to you, I have the power and the leverage of not needing the money. So the other day, Coca-Cola calls us and Leo handles this account. We get a call out of nowhere from Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola CMO uh, hires me to be their uh, consultant. So I don't know if it's this week or next week. I'm having a call with them and they pay premium because it's going to this week. Okay. So it's this week and Leo dealt with them and they got him going and I'm going to be working with them and their executives to help their marketing team identify their next five moves. They say a price. We give the price. They say, yes, their team had read the book. Boom. We do business together. Whether they say yes or no, I don't need that money. 
because I build a business that's generating income. So you have to be thinking about if you're fully ready to make that move or not. I don't want to give you the naive move to say, go talk about what you believe in. And all of a sudden you lose $2.7 million. I don't want to do that to you. You know, so if you do have aspirations long-term, remember your next 15 moves, maybe talking politics will be your next 11 moves, your move 11, but not right now. So just be patient with it. Hold yourself back a little bit and then release your thoughts when you have five, 10 million in a bank and you're more confident and you're not relying on one source of income. This is my MO. There are certain people that don't believe in this, but I do. I think you got to find a way to have carrots in your life to get you excited and recreate yourself. I think you need to have some kind of carrots. You know, I, 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 uh, the, the whole concept of capitalism is based on incentives. So if there's no incentives, capitalism doesn't work. So you're a capitalist. You got to put some kind of incentives for you and your wife. What could that be? I don't know. You know, it could be anything. Mm. Uh, but uh, I understand delayed gratification. I'm all for it. I'm all for delayed gratification. I said this the other day, and, and hopefully this will make sense to you. I currently right now, I've been living in a million and a half. I just sold my house for million six, five, something like that, right? I, I don't live in a ridiculous house. I live in an 8,300 square foot house, but I told myself, babe, I don't want to go from one and a half to $3 million house. I don't want to go from one and a half to $5 million house. I just want to skip like four levels. So I told her, I said, I'm not going to be buying a big house. We can live in a house like this, but now we're going from a one and a half million dollar house to potentially a $20 million house because yeah. I went delayed gratification for a few years. Now, at the same time, I've had the Lambos, the Ferraris, the, the Porsches, the uh, uh, Rolls Royce, the, all those cars, because that's my incentive. I like that. I buy an expensive car because I like that. I enjoy doing those kinds of things. That's a different conversation on incentives. Yeah. I think you're talking about whether I need to be taking income or not, because I'd rather invest it back into the company. It all depends on how big of a thing you want to do in the next year, two years, three years. But yeah. if eventually you and your wife don't see an incentive, specifically your wife, like she needs to see some incentives. She may not be wired like you. She may need to see incentives to kind of see this thing that you're working so hard. There's a, there's a reason behind the madness. We've never done a, uh, 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 ever. We've never done a organization recruiting, a staffing agency recruiting for the field. Yep. We've, we've always used recruiting agencies for home office, always. Yep. Multiple staffing for home office. Never for the field that's been 100% warm market. And okay. that's worked very, very well for us. Now, obviously, you have to also know that we get a lot of leads that come through uh, PHP's YouTube channel. Uh, mm -hmm. Or people see a video from me on Valuetainment and then they say, what does this guy do? Oh, my gosh, I've always wanted to get into insurance. And then boom. They uh, send an information and that goes out and somehow, some way they get involved. But we don't have a place we go through where we get the leads. We just have a ridiculous system that we've trained our guys on a warm market that's worked very well. And if you do that right, it could work very well for you. A lot of people use leads. We don't. Today, if you're looking at young guys, I mean, Instagram today is the number one recruiting tool out there, hands down. There's not a better tool in recruiting today than Instagram. It's specifically for sales guys and girls. 
So, uh, but, but the part you got to be thinking about is the following. Let me flip it on you a little bit. The comp structure of many companies will determine whether the salespeople will recruit or they will sell. Where you put your incentives is where your salespeople will go bring new talent for you. So if a part of your incentive is based on me recruiting talent, I'm going to recruit more talent for you. I was consulting this uh, 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 trucking company and they were doing, you know, 5 million a year, you know, 10 million a year business. And I went out there one day and we worked on their comp plan for an entire day. We spent one full day on their comp plan, one full day on their comp plan. And we came back and we put a comp structure together for them. 2020, they ended up with a quarter of a billion dollars of sales, but they, but their sales in all, and all they changed is they changed the incentive for their branch managers that they have. And they started bringing in guys that started selling loads. And the next thing you know, now they have branches in US, Mexico, Canada, Europe, Armenia, all over the place. And they're doing around a quarter of a billion dollars a year. You got to kind of look at your comp plan and see where the incentive could be for your sales guys to be recruiting versus just selling. If you look at, if you look at a guy's kids on how the kid does whatever he does, look, look at kids of teachers. You guys ever notice kids of teachers? If you know a teacher in your family that's a older teacher, like let's just say in their 60s and they have three or four kids, what do their kids do? How many of their kids got a four-year degree? Why? Because the teacher's number one incentive in the family is to do what? Get good grades. Now you look at an entrepreneur's kids, what's the incentives? It's a very different incentive system. So whatever incentive you create, I guarantee you your kids are gonna go after those incentives. Your sales guys are gonna go through those incentives. So test your incentive system. I changed my comp structure probably 50 times in the first 24 months. Finally, I hit a sweet spot. And then I just said, oh my gosh, this one's going to take off. And then it took off. I just had a meeting with my guys and I announced to them on the first, my uh, announcement was uh, top 30 performers in a company for 21st to 30th place. I'm getting everybody a cash Corvette C8. I buy it for them. Uh, uh, 11th through the 20th, I get them a Porsche 911 and I fly them out to uh, uh, Germany to go pick out the Porsche. Second to 10th place, I'm getting everybody a cash brand new Ferrari Portofino. And then first place, I'm getting you cash, a Venador, and I'm flying you out to Lamborghini headquarters to get this for you, right? Okay, now watch this. In order for me to buy those $5 million worth of cars, the company has to grow 40%. If we grow 40%, $5 million is nothing to me. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, fine, Chris. I'll spend a five million bucks. And you have no idea how crazy people are going right now. Guys, if we do this, I'm going to do this. If we do this, I'm going to do this. So there's a relationship where one of the most important trainings I ever did for my, for my company is the following. I said, let's talk about, here's how it opened up. Uh, and this is something all of you guys can do. I said, it was a four hour session I had with my guys. I sat them in my room in Woodland Hills. And I said, guys, um, I want you here long-term. And I want you to give your best. But before I give you that, what is your expectation of me? What do you expect from me as a CEO? And at first, they start very soft, like small stuff. Well, you know, uh, we would like this from you. Okay, great. We would, like the, we would like you to be responsible financially. Okay, great. We would like this. Or we would like you to add millions in the comp one day. We would like you to, we would like, I'm like, okay. So they said, we would like you. We would like you. We would like you. We would like the. And then it got bigger, which was great because it set me up for what? I said, perfect. 
in order for me to be able to give this from you, is it fair to say that I should have some expectations of you as well? Yes. I said, I got a PowerPoint prepared of what I expect from you in order for you to get what you get. And this can be a very simple relationship together. Let me go through it with you. Boom, boom, boom. Two hour PowerPoint, I went through on exactly what I expected from you. So then everybody understood. You want this? Let's do this. You want this? Let's do this. You want. That's what helped us grow. And I think sometimes the relationship between the supervisor, the CEO, the boss, and their people, it's not like that. So you screw it up. But if you come from a, and you have to let them talk first, not you. You have to be sensitive in addressing the most uncomfortable topics way before you hire them. Number one. Like I said, do you want a salary or do you want to be a consultant? I don't want to be a consultant. Then if you're a salary, you have to report. I'm good with that. Then if you report, there's accountability. I'm good with that. So, but that can't be like, oh my gosh, we're going to take over the world together. Let's go. Oh shit, we're fighting. We're having problems. No, 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 no. Like slow down and take a few more weeks before you do this, but ask all the difficult question. And Soren, it's, it's the closest thing to a prenuptial agreement you can have. And I don't know if you have a nuptial agreement or not. I'm all about nuptial agreements. It's the closest thing to a nuptial agreement you can have. And I'm, I'm 100% fan of nuptial agreements. I recommend it to every man I know that has money. And then it's incentive the way it's set up. You got a comp for salary, benefits, all the other stuff you negotiate. Then it's, you know, 20% bonus, 25% bonus, whatever the bonus will be based on markers. What are markers? If he hires this person for me, if he raises this much money, if the EBITDA is around this number, if we grow at a 40% rate, whatever, if we, if we, if we, if we, if we, whatever those markers are going to be, then he knows what he has to hit. If he doesn't hit it, he doesn't get that 25% bonus. So if you pay him a salary of, I don't know, pick a number, uh, 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 for the sake of easy math, let's just use $100,000. Obviously, you have to pay more than 100, but for sake of math, if you use $100,000 and you say, I'm going to pay you an additional 50% of bonuses, great. Divide it amongst five different uh, areas. 10% if the company grows by 40% net profit. So we're doing a million dollars this year. If we grow and do 1.4 million, you hit your $10,000 bonus. Great. Next, I need a COO, I need a director of finance, and I need a controller. If you find those three, that's another $10,000. Great. Three, I need to expand into two new markets. And if you help us expand, great. Boom. I need the office to be restructured, set up, and, you know, blah, 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 lease, everything, bathrooms. Okay, great. So you create whatever those markers are with the incentives. He's got his day-to-day -day plus those five incentives that gives them the additional 25% bonus. And then equity will be based on vesting period. He's going to want three years. You're going to want five years. You'll settle on four years. He may agree to five years. You may have to agree on three years because this guy's just better than you. And then you're going to have to work to get on relationship, you know, calling him out. You can't undermine him. You know, you can't talk to him like a boss. He's somebody that's self-made, but behind closed doors, you can. How's accountability going to work out? All of that matters. Here's the kicker. You know what's crazy about lying? Half the battle with lying is you're trying to avoid conflict. Yes. Okay? You're trying to avoid conflict or you're trying to avoid uh, 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 embarrassment or you want to look cooler, you know? You know, the whole thing where guys will say they've been with three times the girls they've been with and girls will say three times less than the guys they've really been. You ever heard that uh, story before? Scientists have done extensive research on this. So don't call me out and say Pat had a, you know, moment where he's calling out women. But why do men say three times? Because they want to be three times cooler. 
why do women say three times less? Because they want to be embarrassed less, right? To say, well, I haven't really gone and pulled run as much as I have. Okay. So that's not going away, just so you know that. Now, there's a difference between that and lies like that, or you have a commitment to hit, you don't hit it. That's a problem. Okay. That's a problem. There's a difference between that and, you know, uh, a compliance lie. You can, you can take a company down with a compliance slide. There's a difference between that and, but I call out the behavior because I don't tolerate the behavior. I don't tolerate manipulative behavior. I don't tolerate games. And I don't tolerate anything that's going to hurt the company and bring others down. So the more you talk about it, sometimes the challenge, uh, uh, Simon, is your values and principles to the field or your employees or your executive team is not clear. If they don't know your set of values and principles and you don't talk about it over and over and over and over and over and over again, then they don't know what your expectations are, right? They're kind of like, I don't know what it takes to make Simon happy. I don't know what's a good employee. I don't know what's a good partner. I don't know what's a good executive. I don't know what's a good investor because you've never had those values and principles. So how do you do that? Well, you take a piece of paper and a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, and you sit down and say, what are the best employees I've ever had? Make a list of what made them the best. What do you love most about Johnny, Jackie, Larry, Mary? And then who were the employees or what kind of behavior hurt the company the most and what set back the company the most? Okay. What were those behaviors? Which one of those behaviors will you not tolerate? Great. Then guess what? Go tell the stories without giving specific names. Go tell the stories. Then I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna say, ooh, I do that sometimes. Okay, I gotta work on that. Oh, I do that sometimes, he likes that. Awesome, I got a shot here. Oh, phenomenal, he loves that, that's me. He's talking about me. I don't think this company is for me, I gotta go. It's okay, it's okay. But you gotta share your values and principles. I read a book, uh, few months ago called no rules rules and i had every one of my employees read the book no rules rules and i had them read what measure what matters and after everybody read no rules rules we kind of sat down and we went through the process of what everybody was saying what i was saying kind of figured out some people just don't belong here in the culture and i'm not changing i'm not changing because if i have to conform to you i never had a real culture i didn't take time to really process what my culture was the moment you do that then they'll know what to respond to. But if they don't, and you keep it a secret, no one knows what's bothering you and what's not. And by the way, if I lose safe around you and you want me to be around with you long-term, if you don't allow me to save face, I will leave you because you offended me. So you, you also got to make sure you're not, you know, hey, papa, tap, papa. You're not, you're not coming out just like, I don't care what happens. You know, no, you don't want to do that. You got to let me save face because I'm going to make more mistakes. You know, if I don't have that opportunity for people to save face, sometimes you need a crisis to get, create even more loyalty with your employees. I don't know if this makes sense. Sometimes you need a problem where we overcome together, then the team's like this. That's why so many people, when they go to war together, their level of bond is the kind that they'll never have with their wives or husbands or, you know, kids. It's different. We went to war together. We almost died together. We were so annoyed with each other because somebody screwed up, but we overcame that. And we came back safe and we saved lives. You have to give that opportunity for people as well. So work on yourself on a leader. Make a note of what you won't tolerate, what you like, what's been qualities of your best employees. Give that message to your guys. 
then go talk to that person, help them save face and help them save their ego and then challenge them to improve and then go about your business. It's all on what kind of a culture you want to create, because if it's external, there is no culture. Okay. It's just a transactional based, right? It's like, I'm not emotionally connected to you, the vision, any of that. I'm just like, okay, you're paying me. I do the job. We go home. Right. If it's internal, I'm vested. It's a culture. I'm in it. I'm around you. I'm like, oh my gosh, here's what we're doing. I love it. I want to be part of this. I think that this is what we stand for. Here's what we do as a company. So, you know, the risk of one internal, what's the risk? Takes a lot more time, right? The, the benefit is what? Increases value. When it comes down to sell, it's, it's very value-based because somebody sees the culture that's already in there with leaders that are vested that are not going to go. Okay, what's the benefit of two? More scalable. It's external. It's easier, right? What's the risk? People can come and go. And it's turnover is going to be higher because you're just another boss. You're just another person that's paying them the bills. So I think the question you got to answer with that one is what's your vision and solve it based on that. You know, right now my guys are working out of home. I'm not a fan of that. However, you know, uh, one of my IT guys came up to me. I love this. One of my best hires of last year. He came up to me. Uh, he was with AIG for 26 years. Quality guy, quality guy. He said, Pat, you got to realize there's a big difference between the IT industry people and other types of people that you hire in different departments. He says, IT, we're career. We come in, we like to stay with a company because we want to finish the problem that we started to work on. We want to solve that problem and we'll stay there. He says, most IT guys, if they go to a company, they take care of them, they'll stay with them for a long time uh, because you know we kind of want to continue solving the problem. He said, the rest of the people that you have in different departments, they're here because they have a job. He says, I'm here for my career. Others are here for their jobs, okay? External is a lot of jobs. Internal is career, okay? Which one's going to increase the value for you? Solve for that, okay? Solve for that. Uh, I would tell you right now as you're going through the transition, probably you need a little bit of both, okay, to do as we're going through the phase that we're going through right now. But... Um, the question will be answered with that based on what your vision is long-term. I interviewed a guy a couple weeks ago who's a cardiologist and he has done 25,000 heart sur uh, surgeries. Okay. And this last week I interviewed Cyril Wecht. I don't know if you guys know who Cyril Wecht is. Cyril Wecht is a number one pathologist in America. He's the guy that uh, he's, he's done 21,000 autopsies. Okay. Brains. And he supervised 41,000 of it. You know what's part of his game? Is to hold brains and to deal with dead people. You know what's a part of a cardiologist's job? Unfortunately, his job is to sometimes go to families and say what? We lost your father. We lost your auntie. We lost your mom. We lost your dad. We lost your husband. We lost your wife. We lost your kid. And guess how many times? This is the first time you do it. Painful. Tenth time. Painful. Fiftieth time. Painful. By the 500 time, it's the career you chose. Some surgeries don't go right. And you have to go deliver the news. I'm sorry, but we lost your father. You ever seen the movie uh, 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 John Q, where the whole heart thing, and you saw one of the heart surgeons in the movie John Q with Denzel Washington, 
where the way the doctor speaks, he's so logical. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes, okay, so here's what we got going on. We got this. And the way they speak is very matter of fact. And the rest of the world is like, what a cold mother, you know what? How could you be this cold? This is someone's life. Because that's his job. His job is people die. Okay. And the first one sucks. The fifth one sucks. The 10th one sucks. By the 50th one, it's the career you chose, right? Okay. What does that have to do with you? Um, in football, when there's a massive injury in a game, players psychologically get afraid. If you, if you look at football, like coaches and great coaches in that moment have to get their players to realize this is the game we signed up for. You, you could get hurt. But if you play right, you're not. If you play afraid of being injured, the chance of you getting injured goes higher. If you play as if you're not going to get injured, the chance of you getting injured goes lower. That moment, what the coach tells us athletes is what gets the players to go back out there and play. After a guy just broke his leg, he's gone for one year. It's that fear, right? Kobe came back after having the whole Achilles heel, and how does he go back? It's the game we signed up for, and the game we all signed up for is what? It's called life. People are going to die. If you play the game of business, there's going to be enemies. There's going to be people that want to see you go out of business. It's a part of life. So I, 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 I don't want to seem like I'm not being empathetic or sympathetic. Believe me, I cried when I'm sitting there and watching my wife cry. Of course I cry. It's painful. I get it. But we signed up and we're in this life. Okay. And however many years ago, all our parents conceived. And nine months later, we're here. Some of us are accidents, some of us are intentional, but guess what? We're now here, okay? And we got around eight years to see what we can do with our lives. Nothing's guaranteed, we gotta give our best. But I want you to know, and this message goes to everybody, is brace for impact. There's gonna be some bad things that are gonna happen to you in 2021. Not trying to be negative. There's gonna be some bad things that are gonna happen to you. There's gonna be some things that are gonna happen to you that you don't know about. My dad's 78. He's not going to live to 100 years old. Something's going to happen to me. I'm no longer 22. I'm 42. Okay? I got three kids. They're going to get into a fight, injury, something like that. I don't have one kid. I don't have zero kids. I told a guy the other day when the whole Jack Ma was being uh, uh, kidnapped in, in China. And they're saying, is he kidnapped? Is he this? Is he that? What happened to Jack Ma? I say, you know what's one of the, uh, one of the biggest mistakes people make in life that gives an automatic control to politicians to be able to manipulate you for the rest of your life? What's that? Having kids. Why? Because if people want to really hurt you, they go straight to what? Kids. Like in politics. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to your kids. How do they eliminate the Kennedy family? They went straight after their kids. So what's the point? We all made the decision to be married, if you are, your heart's going to be broken. If you have kids, something could happen to your kid. If you eat the food and it's too much sugar, bad diet, you may have something to do with your heart. Everything is a decision that we're making. And we got to do our best to live with this. Now, here's also some guaranteed news about 2021. There's going to be some great things that are going to happen to you in 2021. New surprises. You're going to meet someone new that you didn't know before that's going to change your life. A new friend, a new contact, a new client, a new salesperson, a new employee. Something good's going to happen. A lot of good's going to happen to you. And that's going to happen every single year for the rest of our lives until it's time for us to go away. And that's kind of how life works.
But if you wake up every morning afraid that, you know, what if this, what if that, and oh my gosh, sorry me, feel sorry for me, you are going to stunt so much of your growth because that's not going away. And everybody else in the world is dealing with their own set of problems. I read a quote one time, 80% of people could care less about your problems. 20% of people are glad you have them. Very simple. 80% could care less about your problems. 20% of your people are glad you have them. Exes, former friends, former employees, former workers are glad you're getting new problems. You gotta live your life and you do your best and good things will happen to you.